Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Stuff You Should Know is brought to you by Visa. We all have things we like to think about. Online fraud shouldn't be one of them. Because with every purchase, Visa prevents, detects, and resolves online fraud. Safe, secure, Visa. Hi, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. With me is Charles Chuck Bryant. As always, we're the Stuff You Should Know guys. So, hey, how's it going, Chuck? Hey. Hey. <laughs> it's going good. So, um, with all the, the the Olympic stuff going on, and it's all on Beijing and all that, this is like the second podcast uh, of recent uh, times that I've mentioned Beijing, um, because the Olympics are just so huge. Right. My question is this, Chuck. Did you know that there's an underground city beneath Beijing? I did, Josh, because I read your really cool article. Oh, thank you very much, Chuck. You're I appreciate welcome. that. Did you read the, uh, is there a, a city uh, beneath Beijing? Oh, no. I thought the one you referenced in your article, Why Don't We Live Underground? Yeah. Yeah, no, there's another article on the site, too, uh, called Is There an Underground City Below Beijing? Didn't read that one. It's awesome. Let me tell you about it. So Chairman Mao gets into a little border dispute with the Soviets in uh, 69. Right. And the Soviets uh, basically show them, we're not messing around, pal. Like, we will come in or we will nuke you or whatever. This is at a time when uh, the the Russians were, you know, getting their chops with, right. with the Strong U.S. Army. in the Cold sure. War. So at that time, China wasn't much of a threat to them. Um so Chairman Mao's like, okay, hey, maybe we should do something about this just in case. Puts um, the the residents of Beijing, the capital city of China, to work uh, for the next 10 years constructing an underground city that can house like 300,000 people in That's the event nuts. of an emergency. It's very cool. It's still around, actually. What is it now? Uh, there's parts of it um, that are, are accessible still. Right. It's actually been turned into something of an underground mall. Uh of course. Right. And there's tour tours and that kind of thing. Apparently, it's pretty easy to uh, kind of drift off from the tour and go down some forbidden corridors. So there's still like old bunk beds with rotting wow. mattresses and there's pictures of Chairman Mao everywhere. Right. It's pretty cool. They also had like um, these little patches for going like mushrooms and digging wells. And peop- you could have lived in there comfortably for four months. That's pretty cool. All right. No so- Olympic Village, though? That's not down there? No. No. Not at this time. It's been a good uh, idea. Is this the... the uh, Subterranean mutants used it at, for right. their 2006 Olympics. The Subterranean Beijing, Mutant Olympics. Yeah, they they don't like to be talked about very much. But the thing was never used, thankfully, for for the residents of Beijing. Um, and actually, it's just one example of an underground structure. There's there's tons of them all over the place. Right, you know? and a NORAD is one. NORAD is a great example. What's NORAD? It's a defense system basically that detects if you know people are going to send nuclear warheads our way. Sure. And not as useful anymore. Well, maybe I shouldn't say that. But. No, actually, they were looking into decommissioning it in 2006. Uh-huh. I, I, don't, I, I didn't find any follow-up information. I don't think they made the decision yet. Well, they smartly put uh, NORAD uh, in inside uh, a mountain, basically. Cheyenne Mountain. Yeah, 700,000 tons of, of rock they, they uh, dug out of this thing. Yeah. And uh, I think the door is like three and a half feet thick, and basically they determined that we're safe no matter what happens. Yeah, when they built the place in the 60s, they were 100% confident that it could withstand a direct nuclear strike. That's nuts. It is nuts. Nowadays, they're like, yeah, maybe in the 60s, not with today's inter- intercontinental ballistic missiles. Right. The, the the mountain would shatter. Exactly. Maybe which is equally nuts, actually, I think, you know, that yeah. we have... 
ballistic missiles that we can just level entire mountains with. Right. So, um, but yeah, NORAD, it's, it's, it's kind of this, uh, this homage to the security of underground living. Right. And the U.S. government is the, isn't the only group to have, you know, come across this. It's not just Chairman Mao and Uncle Sam who figured out that, hey, underground, you know, is, is pretty secure. Um, you know, insurance companies and, and uh, information bureaus like credit reporting companies, uh, Sun Microsystems, the people who run the Internet right. and, and are the keepers of all of our information, they've discovered the same thing. I mentioned Sun. They uh, just leased, I believe, an old mine in Japan and are now st- they, they now store their network servers below ground. Um it's very secure. You can't get in or out very easily. Right. And Chuckers, uh, in our beloved city of Atlanta, we even have a couple underground buildings here or there. Right. The I think fa- you know which one I'm talking underground about. Underground Atlanta, right? the famous, or once famous, underground Atlanta. I've got one even better than that, the old Equifax building, now occupied by the Savannah College of Art and Design. Is that underground? Most of it is very much underground to protect, you know... Uh, you know, obviously, it couldn't handle an intercontinental ballistic missile at right. Cheyenne Mountain Camp, sure. but it can handle something, you know. And right. burglars can't just, you know, prance in and out. So, well, I know one of the other benefits to it being underground is uh, natural disaster uh, weather. Um, you have more constant temperatures, mm-hmm. so it's uh, more energy efficient if you're underground. Yeah, uh, and and you you don't really think of houses as being, you know, too terribly energy inefficient you know obviously there's there's some fat we could trim here there right but i was reading a um a study that that found that you know transportation is always cited as like the big or one of the big sectors that contributes to climate change it turns out that um all of the buildings in the united states uh consume six times more energy uh and emit six times more greenhouse gases than all the cars and trucks in the country combined. Really? Yeah. So apparently there's a whole sub-genre, subculture, sub-something of architects who um, have decided that, you know, it's it's kind of uh, emburdened on them right. to kind of take up the mantle and start designing... Go underground? Go underground. That's one of the, that's one of the theories, that's one of the ideas that's being batted around right now. Well, why do you think more people don't live underground if it's such a... If it's so great down there? Well, number one, if you thought, you know, talking Americans out of driving SUVs is difficult, right. imagine telling them that they have to now give up their nice, you know, Sunlight. two-story colonial or something like that. And right. They have to move into an earth-sheltered home. Right. Uh, I think that's that's number one. Number two, and I think the point that you were leading to, is that it's a huge old slap in, in the face of evolution. Right. Agreed. Yeah, Chuck Darwin is, is rolling in his grave as we speak. He would be just 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 thinking of this, right. you know, either either that or he'd be salivating at, you know, a perfect uh, natural experiment. Right. Like, yes, stupid humans, <laughs> move underground and so I can take notes, you know, that kind of thing. Right. Um, and, and the reason it's a slap in the face of evolution is that we're diurnal, right? Right. We uh, are... Sleep patterns or wakefulness, um, all of that is based on the sun. Right, circadian rhythm. Yeah. So basically when we decide to go to sleep or wake up, it's it's generally you know based on the sun. Think about it. We're not farmers any longer, but it's kind of tough to sleep past sunup these days, right? right? Even though we don't have to be out there to milk the cows or, you know plant the corn or harvest the corn, depending on what sure. time of year it is. But we've evolved that way, so there's no getting rid of it now. Right. Uh, and we, we also are kind of linked to the sun. Well, I don't even want to say kind of. We are 
sun slaves, basically. The Egyptians had it right when they called sun Ra right. and worshipped it because that's pretty much how linked we are to we it. We need it. We need that we vitamin do. D. Yeah. Think about it, Chuck. We get all of our other vitamins from, like, milk, from... Um, Vegetables. That's a great Fruits. example. Yes, from chewing on rocks. Right. The whole thing. We get every single one of our vitamins from an external source except one vitamin d yeah that's we actually create that through a process of photosynthesis right within our own bodies right from the sun's radiation it it serves a it serves as a catalyst uh for vitamin d production in the body right and vitamin d is important how do you ask (laughs) how josh it it protects (laughs) against rickets Right. You ever seen a rickets patient? Uh, yeah, it's it, a bone disease. It is. A, it's a. It's a lack of bone development. And actually, when I was researching this, uh, uh, there is ninety percent of the children in Europe and America, in like uh, some terrible couple of decades in the nineteenth century, suffered from rickets. If they lived in an urban area, they had rickets to some degree or, or other. Um, there's a picture of a girl uh, who is a, ru- a ricket sufferer. She's 19. Her name's Xiao Ling. It's in the article on HowStuffWorks.com. And she's two feet tall, and she's cute as a button, but she's she's 19, and she's struggled with rickets her whole life. Right. Hers is congenital, but you know there's all sorts of problems associated with a lack of vitamin D. Right. And don't forget the serotonin. Yeah, serotonin's big. Serotonin is a hormone um, responsible for basically good moods. Yeah, I and mean, you can get in a see, nutshell. Yeah, yeah, um, a positive outlook. Sure. Um, and uh, conversely, if you don't have enough serotonin, which is produced from exposure to the sun, or actually lack of exposure to the sun, you go out in the sun, uh, you, uh, melatonin is produced. Right. Okay. Uh, and once the melatonin production stops, meaning you're out of the sun, serotonin production kicks in. So one leads to the other. Right. Uh, so you have to have sunlight, which uh, accounts for seasonal affective disorder. Right. And it's not just the sun that we need. Uh, we need air, and we need air in certain supply. Right. Um, and we also are pretty uh, acclimated to the um, atmospheric pressure around sea level. That's what we've evolved to, to adapt to. Which is why scuba divers and uh, even miners, it's the same thing as being underwater, mm-hmm. need to depressurize or decompress as they come up. Exactly. That's exactly right. So living underground poses a lot of problems to us. Um, you know, should we listen to, to the ghost of Darwin, to Darwin Beyond the Grave? Should we traipse into this natural experiment, or is it too late? Have we already started? That's a good question. And the answer is yes, we have already started. You know, we were talking about NORAB. We were talking about Mr. Chairman Mao's underground city in Beijing. Right. There's a lot of actual, like, everyday architecture out there that's below ground. Right, I know that the Marin County Jail is uh, partially underground. It's kind of a cool-looking building. Yeah, wh- which uh, provides for a lot of security. Like you're saying, it's more energy efficient. Sure, it keeps the prisoners nice and cool. Yeah, they're they're just kind of cooling out yeah, there important. in Marin County. Um, and there's uh, there's a really cool uh, example of an underground museum uh, in Williamsburg, Virginia. There was this old colonial settlement from the 17th century, and uh, rather than build this visitor center and museum above ground to detract from the natural scene, they actually built it into the side of a hill. Even cooler, 
This museum shut down in 2002, uh-huh. and as far as I know, it's still there, which makes it a prime spot for urban explorers to explore. So it's like a one-two punch for the House right. Up Works articles right there. I don't know that we'd endorse that. We would never, ever endorse probably that. probably trespassing, but yes. I bet it would be neat. So uh, you got any other examples? Of- well, I know uh, Alice City in uh, Japan, the Japanese are kind of leading the way because mm-hmm. Japan is uh, not the largest uh, landmass, and there's a lot of people there. Their lands. Start. Yeah, so they're kind of uh, leading the way, and instead of going up, 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 which they've already done in spades, they're going down. And uh, Alice City is one example. It's not built yet, but it's a uh, it's a proposed. Um, I wouldn't call it a complete city, but uh, shopping mall and it uh, has the, it also has you know restaurants. I think there's office space and living. Right. I think it's a bit of a stretch to call it a city. Yeah, it's really cool looking though. I, look, I checked out the pictures online today. It's really neat. It is. It's like these two. Um, Parallel shafts going like 550 feet into the into the ground, right. covered with a big bubble to let light in. Right, and that's where, yeah, all the light comes in through those through these two domes, and the the two domes are all you can see above ground to even know anything's there. Right, uh, and then it's all connected by like these series of walkways and tunnels and everything underground. Um, there's another proposal in Japan uh, that I don't think ever came to fruition. It's called the Urban Geo Grid. This one you actually could call an underground city. It covered, uh, or it would cover 485 square miles. Wow. Yeah, that's, that qualifies in my book. I, I would say there's, yeah, that's, that's a decent sized city. That's what, like, Kansas City, Kansas? Yeah, something yeah. like that. Um, and it could, it could hold or house or, you know, um, it could accommodate up to half a million people at a time. Wow. This, see, this makes me wonder if, uh, you know what that means for the people on top. I mean, I'm sure they're they're taking all the right moves and shoring up everything underneath there. But when you weaken the ground underneath what's already a large city, it makes me worry personally. Yeah, it, 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 and there's all sorts of questions. Um, like I, I read a question from a guy who was saying, uh, "What does this do to the temperature of the water table?" Right. Which you, we probably really shouldn't be messing with. That right, because kind of there's a lot of water underground. Yeah. Although, I mean, we've made a pretty big mess of things above ground. I can pretty much predict that we'd make an equally big mess below ground, too. Right. But, uh, yeah. Out of you, sight, out of mind. Uh, ex- <laughs> wow, yeah. Can you imagine how bad it'd be then if we couldn't even see it? Right. right. It'd be like the Great Pacific uh, Garbage Dump. Right, you read that one. Yeah, I read that one. That's, That's another one. Wow, we we just been hitting them all over the right. place it's in this a plug podcast, fest. Chuck. Yeah, it is a plug fest, Chuck. And uh, our listeners can read all the articles we plugged today, all on HowStuffWorks.com, and hang around to find out which article makes Chuck really crabby. Right after this, Chuck, what what makes you crabby? Well, a lot of things make me crabby, dude. But Give me two examples. Uh, traffic and heat. Bravo. Yeah, you like that? Yeah. Uh, but this was actually a little bit of a cheat, a little bit of a pun. It's actually uh, the article Inside Deadliest Catch, which is an article that uh, dives in, here I go again, to uh, the world of uh, crab fishing from the awesome uh, Discovery Channel show Deadliest Catch. It's fantastic. Well, I beg our readers to uh, forgive Chuck for his puns and misleading words. And I also beg you to please go read Inside Deadliest Catch on HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?